Welcome to another edition of Touring the AFC South. I am your host, Mike Patton. Thank you again for tuning in. And as we lead up to the draft, this week's guest is Mr. Emery Hunt. I'm, I'm guaranteeing you're going to enjoy our conversation. Uh, let's get a few things out of the way. Of course, if you're listening on Spotify, if you would uh, go ahead and follow or uh, give a five star review if you like what you're listening to. Apple Podcasts, same thing. If you would go ahead and give a five star review if you like what you're listening to, and um, five star rating, I should say, and review. <clears throat> and wherever you're listening, go ahead and subscribe so that way you don't miss any episodes as soon as they drop. Of course, you know, again, we'll get to uh, my interview with uh, Emory Hunt talking about the NFL draft and some hidden gems and things like that. Um, and also some needs and potential potential needs for teams in the AFC South. We'll get to that a little later. But up first, like always, the get it off your chest segment. And this week. I have two particular gentlemen in mind, Mr. Adam Schefter, Mr. Gilbrandt. Now, for those that aren't aware, Dwayne Haskins uh, tragically lost his, lost his life uh, this past uh, last last uh, last weekend. Uh, of course, you know he's hit by by a, a car or I believe a dump truck. Uh, you know, lost his life. It is very tragic to hear. And normally. You would have empathy, empathy for his family and wanted to, you know, send condolences and things like that. That would be normally what someone would do. Well, for Adam Schefter in his tweet, which he later deleted. Basically, he had to bring up that, you know, of course, that Haskins had passed away, but. Also, his struggles in the NFL and things like that in terms of quarterback play. Now, nowhere in that st- that tweet was it needed to talk about things that he may have struggled with on the field. Because life and death didn't have anything to do with those things that he stated. I mean, you know, people can say, hey, it's... Uh, He's a Michigan guy, and he's making a dig at an Ohio State guy. That's an incredibly low dig if that is what he had planned. You know, people can say he made a mistake or things like that, but but it isn't like Adam Schefter has not done this before. It's happened in the past, too. So, you know, that, you know, totally uncalled for. And, you know, at this point, I think he's he's – Kind of, he says his apology and those different things, and I think he's kind of, you know, gotten off the hook at this point with a lot of people. Um, but it wasn't necessarily from his own doing, because not one to be upstaged. Mister Gil Brent goes on radio and talks about Dwayne Haskins as well. 
Now, I think this is a huge part in why not many are remembering what Adam Schefter tweeted and later deleted and then went on to apologize about for on his on a on the air or on social media or wherever. Gil Brandt gets on a radio show and says about Dwayne Haskins. He says, you know, uh, about condolences or things like that. But then he goes on to say that he was a guy that was living to be dead. Yes, he really said this. He was a guy that was living to be dead. He said it was always something with Haskins uh, talking about his his bowling party. He said he had his own uh you know, a draft party and things like that and charging people to get in, things like that. But I have no idea why he even brought that up. And then also he said, maybe if he stayed in school, then he wouldn't do silly things like jogging on a highway. Now, plenty of people came to cape up for Mr. Gil Brandt saying that, well, he's 90 years old and he really shouldn't be doing radio anyway. And, you know, it's just part of him being older. No, no, no. We're not caping up for Mr. Gilbrandt on that. Honestly, he should have never said that. That is totally, totally insensitive. And, you know, he came back with some apology, but I don't even think he really believed the apology himself. That's just my interpretation. He may have believed it himself. I don't know, but to me, it just came across pretty phony as a person that, got caught saying something he probably should have never even said out loud, but said it out loud. And, you know, at this point, I don't understand why, you know, I, he has, it hasn't been said that he's not going to be on radio or anything like that because that was totally insensitive because let's flip the situation. I'm not saying anybody's passing away around Gilbrandt. I'm not saying that at all. But say if this was one of his loved ones that passed away and, you know, would he like it to hear to hear that, oh, that that person, oh, he was a guy that was living to be dead. You know, my so-and-so, so-and-so was living to be dead. My relative was living to be dead. And, you know, if he was always something with him or her, he wouldn't necessarily take too kind to that. So, you know, a lot of people not living by the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And honestly, you know, at this point, we don't need to hear Gilbrand on the radio anymore. I don't know who's clamoring for him. I don't know. But, you know, it's time to sit down. That's it. That's the last straw. I mean, you should have never said anything like that anyway. But, I mean, come on now. No kind of punishment, nothing going on here. People just letting people slide. It's ridiculous. Honestly, I could go without hearing Gilbrandt on the radio again. Just enjoy the rest of your years, do what you do, things like that. But, but you know, totally uncalled for to talk about Dwayne Haskins in that manner. I don't think it was a great time to do that at all. And it just shows the insensitivity of media looking at people instead of looking at, at athletes instead of looking at athletes as just athletes and not actual people. You know, they have feelings. They live their day to day lives just like any normal person would. The only difference is they're spectacular athletes nine times out of ten and they're on a different level of playing field. 
still doesn't mean you don't treat them like people. Gilbrand, Adam Schefter, do better. Do better. If you know how to do better. Because, of course, Gilbrand's probably probably made some mistakes like this before. But this is the one that caught our eye. And Adam Schefter has, you know, like I said previously, made mistakes in terms of how he talks about different players, how he talks about different things before. He's done he's done this before. And he's a little too old to be doing this in terms of experience in in the game. Not talking about his age. I'm just talking about he's he's been in the game long enough to know what mistakes he's making. And there needs to be some kind of accountability. Yes, there needs to be some kind of accountability. That's all I got for the get it off your chest segment. Up next, after this commercial break, my conversation with Mr. Emery Hunt, football game plan and definitely a draft analyst you don't want to miss. Um, up next on Touring the AFC South with your host, Mike Patton. Do you feel the need? The need for speed? Yeah. I know. We're not living in Top Gun times. But if you have a middle or high school student looking to gain speed or you are a collegiate or professional athlete that's wanting to get faster, then you need to check out Hulk Flash Performance, a partner of X3 Performance located at Boost Fit Club in Nashville, Tennessee. Middle schoolers, you can train up to two times a week for $200 and high schoolers, three times a week for $300. Now, let me give you some facts about speed training. Speed training is a skill that grows like a tree, meaning you could see quick and dramatic improvements, but for the best results, those happen over long periods of time. Are you ready to commit to the process? If so, you can fill out the form at form.jotform.com backslash 212-725-252-786056. Again, that is form.jotform.com backslash 212-725-252-786056. And someone will contact you as soon as possible. Let's Let's get you to top speed with Hulk Flash Performance. Welcome back to Touring the AFC South. I am your host, Mike Patton. Of course, it is getting close to draft time, NFL draft. Who is your team going to get? Well, I don't call myself a draft analyst, and I don't profess to know what each team would like, but I did get somebody that has a pretty good idea on who's out there, who's available, and also those hidden gems. Emory Hunt, thanks for joining the show, man. I appreciate you having me on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So can you just give everybody the rundown of all the wonderful things that you do? Because I know you do a lot. <laughs> yeah, I just like to tell people simply I'm a football analyst, you know, so you can find me on CBS Sports HQ. You can follow me on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. Uh, we have a YouTube channel at YouTube.com slash football game plan. Uh, I do color commentary. So you'll see me during the fall during games, you know, some ESPN three games at either Monmouth, Morgan State, Georgetown. Uh, in addition to my NFL coverage and college football coverage that you'll see all throughout CBS Sports HQ. So I, I'm a and I also have like a couple TV shows too. So uh all we got four or three college football shows on Saturday running from 9 a.m. to noon, um, which are on Next Level Sports, which is channel 597 on Verizon, 623 on Direct TV, 
Uh, we have a show debuting this Saturday, a USFL show uh, this Saturday on Next Level Sports. Um, and also have a NFL show on Game Plus Network. So I guess you have to check your local cable providers for channel listings for Game Plus Network. So we, I do a lot, man. Like you weren't lying. I, I do a lot. So I'm always on the go. Man, were you a guest, uh, a guest star on that show on the Living Color, man? Having about 85 million jobs. <laughs> right. But it's up. But the thing about it, man, it's always in my lane. I stay in my lane. That's how I'm able to get to my destination faster. Like it's, it's all football. So it all kind of intertwines and, and weaves together, man. So as much as I'm around, I'm always around football. So it's kind of linear in, in that approach. Gotcha. Now, of course, you started as a, uh, you know, I, I will say college football did, you did great college football with your presence as a running back in college. But how did that, you know, your knowledge of football kind of lead you to the football game plan? How did that kind of come about? Well, what people don't know um, is, you know, I learned more football when I wasn't playing than I, than I did when I was. I got injured in college and my career was done. And so, you know, being a, being apart from the actual in-game part kind of forced me to learn more, uh, which is weird because when I was in it, it was focus on running back and that's it. That's so you focus on your position and what your responsibilities were. But when you step away, you like, man, so this is why this was doing this. And you kind of became a student, student of the game and learn more, which is what, you know, got me into coaching right out of college. I went back to my old high school in New Orleans and coached there for a year and then jumped into corporate America and was a recruiter. Um, before, you know, up until Katrina hit, then that moved me to New York city. And it was like, Still recruiting, but, you know, wanted to find my way to get back into football. And in 2007, I started football game plan as a website. You know, we were doing fine. And then 2009, I was like, you know, people don't like to read anymore. So it's easy for me to say what I want to say and get it out there. And no one was on YouTube at the time. Uh, so I started a YouTube channel. You know, my degree is in broadcasting. So I, I knew how to set things up. So I went and got camera equipment, lights microphones um a laptop to to edit uh film and we started a youtube channel in 09 and that took off and then in 2011 you know i wanted to add something else to it we added podcasting when people were people clown me for both my youtube videos and my podcast because at first it was like oh we got a, we got a tv show man and it was like oh where i was like oh it's on youtube oh it's on youtube and then with podcasts like, oh, we got a radio show you can listen to it every saturday oh it's on it's on it's online and fast forward to 2022 everybody doing youtube and everybody podcasting so you know it was good to jump uh, into those lanes early because it kind of built my brand built my name and kind of helped prepare me for being on tv and so again it started from a website and then uh you know grew into youtube videos and then podcasting to now television it's, it's bizarre but it's it's dope it's it's been uh exactly what i wanted when i was trying to figure out how to get back in the game and, and starting that website in 07 kind of gave me that outlet and once i started to feed that beast it just became you know i got i have to go full-fledged you know steamroll ahead and i did that in 2012 and here i am today man sounds like a great journey and uh you know definitely one that uh 
you, you definitely had to go through a few ups and downs and definitely stick to it in this uh, is a big thing. And of course, you know, some of those lessons you do learn on the gridiron. And uh, speaking of learning lessons and, uh, you know, stick to itiveness on the gridiron, there are those hidden gems that keep working, keep working. And despite no one talking about them, they continue to do their thing until somebody reaches out to them or somebody recognizes them. Now, you tend to find those hidden gems a lot through your website and your work. Now, I'm going to pick your brain just a little bit. What are some of the hidden gems out there that people don't quite know about, but they're going to find about find out about pretty soon? It's it's funny because when you think about uh, you know hidden gems and and just the concept of that in in terms with where we are now from a football consumption standpoint, you know you can see so many different schools on so many different platforms. And everyone's on TV, everyone's on some sort of streaming device. And it, it's still fascinating to see guys go unheard of in the media landscape, right? Of course, the pros know about these guys. Um, that's their job, right? But for guys like us in on the media side of things, I'm shocked that we still have these, these gems, right? But it tells you that a lot of people are only watching, you know, Big Ten, Pac-12, and SEC and ACC football. Uh, so looking at minnesota the state of minnesota and how unique it is to where it's just like wisconsin to where there's only one fbs program and that's the university of minnesota so you have fbs no fcs um and in wisconsin you have no d2 either so you go from university of wisconsin to d3 and so minnesota you go from the gophers to division two and then some division three but um Luke Little out of the University of Mary is a, is a really good receiver. Uh, he's 6'3", 227, uh, runs great routes. He takes blocking personally. Um, he's a very good receiver. You know, I, I was excited to watch him just compete. Then I watched him down at the College Gridiron Showcase, which is an all-star game uh, down in Texas, and he's doing the same things he did on film at the Division II level against, you know, guys that played at the – group of five or power five or fcs level so he it translates um and you also look at that obviously people want to talk about the quarterback position and justifiably so you know it's funny because trey ford was a name i brought up last year uh, out of waterloo which is a, a canadian college um he's the top cfl draft prospect at the position article came out i want to say last week that pittsburgh cleveland um cincinnati they're looking to bring him in uh perhaps as an undrafted free agent or maybe spend a late draft pick on him to kind of simulate what they're going to get from lamar jackson in baltimore Mm -hmm. Um, but that's how talented that dude was and he didn't play last year because of COVID, um and no no canadian team played last year so he got to come back otherwise he would have been a cfl draft pick in 2021 um, but he's someone that people are, you know, need to get familiar with because he was dynamic up there. Um, and he also was at the College Gridiron Showcase. And I guess under, underrated, you kind of look at every HBCU prospect um, because I still think they're being underrated in what they can do. I'm glad the HBCU Legacy Bowl uh, became a thing. And I think when I was down there in New Orleans, it, you know, to see those 90 to 100 prospects, you just, greater appreciation for what those schools were able to produce 
more in particular, uh, Norfolk State. You got Deshaun Dixon, defensive end. And on the other side, you got Chris Myers, another defensive end. Both guys are 6'5", 250. So they both long athletic defensive ends, which is crazy when you think about it because they are pro prospects. And then last year you had a, a guy along that defensive line named Nigel Chavis who will be playing this Saturday uh, in the uh, or this weekend in the USFL. So it's about three off uh, defensive linemen, pro players uh, coming from Norfolk State. But those two defensive ends, uh, I feel like, you know, Deshaun Dixon um, and also uh, – you know, Chris Myers and, and, and at cornerback, CJ Holmes out of Jackson State, just a really good player. Um, they had a bunch of good players on that team overall, but I feel like CJ um, is, is, you know, not getting uh, enough credit. Gotcha. Now, I did see Jackson State play in the uh, Liberty Bowl versus the, uh, you know, versus TSU, TSU, Tennessee State University, for those that don't know, uh, in, uh, the Southern Heritage Classic, and, and definitely had a lot of talent all over that team, especially uh, the D lineman, the guy that was uh, played for Florida and transferred there, and was uh, got switched to a uh, defensive end after they saw a few things out of him. Um, you know, getting a little bit more specific to the AFC South, I know there are teams out there that need some things. I know Jacksonville definitely needs some things. Of course, they spend a lot of money, but they still need some things. Um, Texans, of course. They could use some of everything. We know that, you know, but the Titans and the Colts are the cream of the crop of, of the conference, or excuse me, of the division. Now, you know, I don't know if you've looked at any of these teams or thought about any of these teams, but just from an outside perspective, um, what can you say these teams may be lacking? We'll start maybe with the Titans in terms of their outlook going into the draft time and, and the season. I think Tennessee just probably needs more of an impact player, um, whether they can find one up front along the offensive line, tight end, or even at, at linebacker. So I think that's where the focus should be for the Titans. Good part about wh where they select. Some people may look at receiver. I can see that um, as well. You know, having someone to pair up with A.J. Brown, someone like Traylon Burks would be a perfect fit. Um, because he kind of fits what they look for a wide receiver. Um, linebacker would be a good uh, place to start, but I think I think they can get that later. Um, you know, you can get someone like the guy you was alluding to, uh, James Houston from Jackson State would be perfect to play inside out. You can rush. Um, you know, corner could be a possibility, uh, considering you're getting uh, the kid back from injury out of Virginia Tech. Um, you, hopefully, he can stay out there for a full 17 game season, but. It's always good to add more depth there. Uh, so I, I think they can go a variety of places. They, they It's not like they have a significant need, but there are some areas where they can get better. Right, right. And, and uh, you know, I think I think some Titans fans are not not too happy you didn't say quarterback because they're, they're still feeling a little bit of the sting of Ryan Tannehill. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, he'll be around for another year. I, I, I hate to tell some Titans fans, but they might as well get used to, to it, be, him being around for one other year. Now, Indianapolis Colts thought, or some fans thought, that Carson Wentz may be able to stick around more than one season, but unfortunately it did not happen. Now they have Matt Ryan. Uh, the thing I look at with their team, I look at adding more weapons for him to use. I mean, do you kind of see things the same way, or are you seeing a little, something a little different? Yeah, they, they could probably go wide receiver as well. Um, you know, Michael Pittman is, a, is locked in as, as – 
one of the guys, but I feel like they could use another playmaker. Uh, we know their O-line and their run game is set. Um, yeah, they could use some more depth up front, but also defensively, man. They got to get it right in terms of rushing the passer. They also got to get better in the secondary. You know, they got to find a corner, I believe. So I, I feel like the Indianapolis Colts have to go corner or wide receiver or even I, – I don't. they should probably stay away from pass rusher because every guy that they've taken – just hasn't been that that difference maker in terms of getting after the quarterback. Uh, but I will say corner and receiver, probably their biggest uh, areas of, of focus going into this draft. Right, right. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what those two teams do because right now they kind of mirror each other in terms of run game and playing off the run game a lot. In terms of defensively, I would say they get it done a couple different ways, but they still are pretty hard to face, both of them. Um, as far as the, the Texans, of course, they need a lot. They got a lot of draft picks in terms of the Deshaun Watson trade. However, they need a lot. Brandon Cooks is a guy there that you know everyone knows about. But as far as anyone else on that team, people are still guessing who, who five players are outside of Brandon Cooks. So I mean, where do they start there in Houston? You know, what's interesting is that, you know, they pick uh, third, I believe, um, and if a Malik Willis doesn't go to two to Detroit, I could see them taking Malik Willis, you know, giving them an, an athletic dynamic player at the position. I'm not as sold on Davis Mills, although he did play some semblance of competency uh, last year, but you still can get Malik Willis is a, a significantly better talent. Uh, you can go back to that route. Um, but also, you know, if, if, Kayvon Thibodeau is not taken at one or two. It's another option at three. Um, and I also look at, you know, the, the additional first round pick, you know, someone like uh, Brees Hall or Isaiah Spiller, they need a foundational tailback. They got a bunch of guys that are kind of similar. Uh, I think are good complimentary backs. It wouldn't surprise me to see them take a running back in the first round as well. Yeah, Rex Burkhead, he might be nice in some aspects and might have had a great game one time, but, yeah, he's just not your your foundational piece, as you said. Um, Let's see, the Texans do have a good mess to clean up now. The Jacksonville Jaguars did try to clean up that mess this offseason by throwing money at it. Now, sometimes, you know, it's almost almost like putting tissue around, uh, you know, a drain pipe that's just spewing water. So it could be hit or miss. But, you know, what else do you think they need to add? I mean, honestly, looking at them, I would say the trenches is where they probably need to focus, but you may see something different than what I see. It's interesting because on paper, they have a pretty solid roster. Um, you know, they're going to get Travis Etienne back. They're getting a healthy James Robinson back. So the run game should be solid. Um, they threw a lot of money, like you talked about, free agency to a bunch of players, i.e. at wide receiver. Um, so they their passing game should be solid. I think, it, and they have the benefit of picking first. So you get the you get whoever you want. You know, whatever guy you think is the best player in the draft, you get to take him because you pick first. I think it should be Kayvon Thibodeau because I would love to see a Kayvon Thibodeau paired up with a Josh Allen and rushing the passer, especially in that division. Um, I can also see them taking an offensive lineman, but obviously I think defensive line would be where they can get that other pass rusher. Um, there's no downside in having two. I could also see, even though they probably won't take him number one, cornerback. 
I love what they did with the, the rookie last year. Tyson Campbell, he started to play better the back end of the season. Last five games, he was really turned it on. Um, I think they can get another premier corner uh, in this in this class, too, and add him to Tyson Campbell uh, and, and really do some damage in the secondary. So they're not far off. Uh, but if it were me, I think I would go Kayvon Thibodeau. Well, you know, Jags fans are hoping the Jags don't jag this year. So, you know, they basically may seem they're not far off, but, you know, from here to here, maybe a little difference as opposed to here to here. It says some see, but, you know, we'll see what happens with them this season. But, you know, definitely thank you for, for giving me the kind of breakdown of or what your thoughts were on what teams need and what they, you know, could add during the draft. But, of course, it wouldn't be a tour in the AFC South show without a game. <laughs> now, I've got two choices for you. This is going to be draft-centric, and I need you to pick one. Are you ready? I am ready. <laughs> All right. Uh, draft analyst or game analyst? Uh, I, I'd say that's a good question. I would probably say uh, game analyst because, you know, it's just it's the atmosphere of being at a game. And it get, it's the closest thing to playing that you can get to without playing, you know, maybe coaching, but game, game analysts is, is so much fun. The prep that goes into the work um, and just, you know, being out there around the fans and in the stadium and in the atmosphere is it's, it's a it's a perfect setting. I enjoy that. I do enjoy being a draft analyst because you get to really break down these guys and it kind of helps you understand what's going on in the NFL. But, man, I'll take game analysts for sure. All right. I've got uh, two people that, that uh, some people consider not necessarily the greatest wide receivers in terms of their careers so far. John Ross or Kevin White? I say John Ross because at least we've seen it with 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 uh, him. You know, we White, as good as he was coming out of West Virginia, he he hadn't been able to regain that that or capture that you know, that specialness that we saw from him, you know, even his last couple of games with the saints and he was dropping a lot of passes, at least with John Ross, we've seen glimpses of him being the explosive game breaker. We saw it this season with the giants when they played in new Orleans, he had a big touchdown reception there. Um, so I would take John Ross. Yeah. I, you know, speed don't lie and his hands don't lie as much as Kevin, Kevin White's do sometimes. But, uh, so I'll, I'll go with the uh, quarterbacks. We're going to go uh, guys that consider that people consider bust there too. Jamarcus Russell or Akili Smith? I say I would take Jamarcus Russell. I feel like, you know, a lot of court, even, and, and this applies to Akili Smith as well, and a lot of other guys, even Andre Ware, you know, even the late Dwayne Haskins, you know, um, guys quarterbacks black quarterbacks don't get the benefit of patience and time all of those dudes could play you know all of them i've been on record saying andre ware got a raw deal this dude only started like five games uh in detroit and you know you you run the run and shoot you bring in a run and shoot quarterback you got the perfect run and shoot tailback in barry sanders and you don't put the dude in position to, to, to have success and don't have the patience. Um, Haskins, yes, it's, it's, it what made his situation so tragic is that 
I fully believed he was going to win that starting job this year in Pittsburgh and have a, a revamping of his career because he's a, he was a young dude, 24, was is going to turn 25, and was really set up for success in Pittsburgh and, and lost his life tragically. Um, Jamarcus Russell, we all saw the talent at LSU. LSU and, and the thing is when – and players kind of feel, feel this. When a coach – doesn't have your best interests or doesn't want you, you know, doesn't think you're his guy before you even get there. It's hard for you to have success in that situation. And so we see what happens when a coach believes in a player. Um, you know, that's why you're seeing certain players have this second act of their career. You know, when, when a coach believes in you, there's no better feeling as a player because you can go out there and play free without mistakes. And unfortunately, we don't see a lot of quarterbacks get that. But just on sheer talent, um, Achilles Smith had better athletic ability, but Jamarcus Russell's arm was just ridiculous, you know, and it, and his ability to throw the football wherever he wanted to on the field, just a smooth stroke. And, you know, I just, I just feel like had a coach drafted him that wanted him there, the owner wanted him, but unfortunately, the coach didn't. Um, right. And you need the coach to really believe in you. And you see that a lot with, with quarterbacks of color. Right. Well, I knew what I was doing when I asked you that question because I, I figured that answer would come with it. And, you know, mm -hmm. definitely you make a great point and a point that, that still rings loud uh, in NFL football. And, I mean, you can go to college football sometimes and you can go to different other sports and, and different other positions as well when it comes to people of color and just the uh, – the, the you know the fair shake in terms of you know different things that they do and making mistakes and trying to come back from those as well or well, yeah, just in general or just in general just getting a fair shot to begin with i mean you see and the media coverage plays a difference in that well you see how if you know uh let's say gardner Minshew throws an incompletion it's, a, it's an incompletion jalen hurts throws the same incompletion it counts as 10 and they question whether or not he could throw so right. and the media plays into that and that goes to public perception. And now the you know, public hears what the media says and reads what they write. And now they take it out. So every so a black quarterback has to go in there and legitimately play perfect. Or they won't get that opportunity. Imagine if Russell Wilson didn't go in there as a rookie and take that team to the playoffs. You know, imagine if Lamar Jackson didn't turn that team around as a rookie and take them to the playoffs. Um, so, you know, and people in Philly want to get rid of Hurts and Hurts is coming off a playoff season when the players like Justin Herbert, I, I, I'm still trying to find Justin Herbert playoff film. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, they definitely everyone's hyping him up, but you know, they got, he got to, he got to make the playoffs. And then of course, here comes the boys well, coach messed him up out of being out of the, out of the playoffs. I'm like, and I get that. But then again, he had other opportunities to take them to the playoffs. It's about the other Especially the uh, especially the, the loss to the Texans. I mean, you know, no way, no, everybody skims over that one, but that was horrible. They said Anthony Lynn was a problem. They got rid of Anthony Lynn. They bring in this coach who was supposed to be the the, the, the wonder kid, and now he the problem. So what's the common denominator? Yeah. I'm not saying that Herbert ain't talented and can't play. I'm just saying that to see how the the you know the narrative shifts when it's someone they like. Right. You got a point. You got a point. Now, I've got two. Uh, to, uh, I'm going to the trenches with this one. I've got Steve Edman and Tony Mandrich. Um, I would say 
Edmund because he played he played much better. Mandarich, though, to be honest, had the second act um, and was actually decent. Uh, but I would say Edmund. Gotcha. Now I'm going to go to this year's draft. I'm picking two wide receivers. Which one, if it was your team, would you be taking? Garrett Wilson or Drake London? Drake London. Um, I've seen him win short, intermediate, deep down the field. Um, I don't care what he runs. I know he knows how to get open. I know he, he, he does a great job after the catch. You know, he was the playmaker for USC, and they still couldn't stop him. So I'm taking Drake London. Gotcha. And one other thing I want to ask you, one other question. Okay, and this pertains to the Titans. I've got Chris Olave or, or Burks from Arkansas. If you had to choose one or the other, who would you choose to fit the Titans? I would say if you want to double up on A.J. Brown, Burks, but if you want someone that's just like a – you know, a tremendous route runner and is and is different from AJ Brown a lobby. So it all depends on preference. Um a lobby to me is the uh he's the most polished receiver in a draft class. And Burks is someone that's just like AJ Brown. So you could, you know, you could literally have two AJ Browns out there and, and bully guys to death on a perimeter. Gotcha. Well the game is ended. You've definitely survived the game, but uh, <laughs> uh, I will thank you for thank you for coming on. Thank you for uh, giving everyone your knowledge. And again, if, can you tell everyone where they can find you, where they can reach you, where they can see your work? Just anything you want to give everyone, so that way they can find you. They can follow me on Twitter at Football Game Plan, uh, YouTube.com/slash Football Game Plan. Subscribe there. Uh, you can always check me out on CBS Sports HQ. Tune in. Uh, this weekend for our USFL kickoff show on Next Level Sports, channel 623 on TV. We're also on FUBU TV and channel 597 on Verizon Fios. Also, you can check with your local cable provider for channel listings and pick up a copy of my 2022 draft guide, the largest draft guide in draft guide history, over 1,000 individual prospect scouting reports. No other draft guide can say that because they don't have that. We do. We go deep. And, and again, it's about uh, it's 1,035 pages with 1,015 scouting reports. So the largest draft got ever, best 12 bucks you could spend, footballgameplan.com slash 2022 draft guide. I'm sure uh, everyone that's listening, I, I need you all to break out. Do, do me a favor. Break out your pen. Break out your pad. Write down the address or, or, the, or the email address, not the email address, but the website, and go get that book. I'm telling you. It is packed with knowledge, packed with knowledge. Go get that book. Thank you again, Emory, for coming on. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, everyone, for watching. You've been uh, watching and listening, touring the, listening to Touring the AFC South with your host, Mike Patton. We're out.